everyone. Welcome to Cooking in Convos, the podcast to help you find more ease in the kitchen so you can prepare delicious meals quickly without a lot of hassle. I know everyone is super busy and you don't have the time for complicated recipes with tons of ingredients. And if this is you, you've come to the right place. I'll share super easy recipes for super yummy meals, which won't have you standing in the kitchen for long. I'll share some time-saving tips as well that will help you along the way. I'll also get into some interesting conversations with folks who know a thing or two about food. It's going to be fun. So step into my kitchen to cook and connect on Cooking and Convos. Hi, guys. Today, I have a fantastic guest on the show, and I was so thrilled when he said yes to my invitation. His name is Roger Anderson, and he's the host of one of the longest-running podcasts out there, The Kitchen Counter. It's a podcast where home cooks of all skill levels can find tips and inspiration in the kitchen. He brings over 25 years of home cooking experience, along with a passion for conversation with other cooks and food lovers alike. When he isn't working on the show, you can find him cooking and eating through the bounty of the beautiful Willamette Valley in Oregon, where he lives with his wife and son. What I love about his podcast is that it's very relaxed and relatable, and not showy in the least bit. I'm sure you're going to love getting to know him. So let's welcome Roger to the show. Thank you so much, Roger, for being here on Cooking and Combos. It is great to have you. Susie, it's my pleasure. I'm excited to chat with you. I have been loving your podcast for quite a long time, and I was thrilled when you agreed to to be a guest on the show. So I'm super thrilled for today, and I can't wait to dig in. Likewise. I'm I'm so happy you enjoy the show. I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but um, this is a lot of fun, and I'm glad you're doing a podcast. I'm excited. Thank you. Thanks so much. So, Roger, tell us um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? Your podcast, all of that. But first, who is Roger? Who is Roger? Well, my name, my full name is Roger Anderson. Uh, I live in Oregon in the Willamette Valley. I actually live in the capital city of Salem. I am a home cook, but I do it, uh, you know, for necessity, of course. I'm married and I have a son, so I cook for family reasons and personal reasons, but I cook for hobby and fun and passion too. And uh, that's why I started this podcast several years ago is I wanted to do a podcast and I thought, well, cooking, I like to cook. So let's do a podcast about that. And I know we might get into it later, but but back when I started, there wasn't a lot of independent cooking podcasts out there. So it just seemed like a a, a good thing to do. And I've been doing it ever since. It's not my day job. Um, I do work in technology, but um, but I do it as a, as a passion project, I guess you could say. Podcasting takes time. You have to record and interview and edit and and you do cook-throughs. And so you must be really busy to have a full-time job and do this. It, it takes a shocking amount of time. And, and you probably are learning this too. It sounds like it wouldn't when you listen to a podcast. Um, and I'm in, like I said, I'm an independent podcaster. So it's me. I'm literally the only person on my team. So I do everything and I don't devote as much time to it as I probably should or want to, but that's, you know, life is full, which is good. So yeah, I'm busy, but, um, I forgot your question already, but yeah. <laughs> no, I just basically said you must be really busy. So yes, like yes. So, um, tell me when did the love of cooking start for you? Uh, that's, yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, I've always enjoyed cooking and I've always enjoyed like my mom would cook or my dad would make food and stuff uh, ever since I can remember. 
I would say like my love for it probably started in mid-college years and a little bit later. It's not that I didn't like it before, but it was it's it was more of like a conscious like, oh, I love this. I got really into chili peppers in college really? and I was like kind of a chili head. So I was getting the magazines and the books and making hot sauce and cooking. And that kind of started me on my like my own independent trajectory, if that makes sense. Sure, it does make sense. Did your mom, when you were growing up, cook the big dinner every night for your family? Um, well, big dinner. I mean, there were, I'm six of six kids and there's quite a spread between us. So by the time I was aware of like what my mom did, you know, every day, uh -huh. <laughs> consciously, like my oldest brother, maybe two brothers are kind of off and doing their own thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, let's say four, four kids in the house or something, or maybe three. Um, she cooked all the time. Now, what's interesting about that is my mom for her, um, working life always worked in food service so she managed restaurants she owned some restaurants so she was always putting all of her time into that at least in my recollection in my period of time i can remember and then she would always cook when she came home which is pretty amazing to me because i don't know if you know what the restaurant business is like it is brutal yes. brutal work it is it's on your feet. It's and this was these are like diner type restaurants. So it's fast paced, short order cooking. Sometimes the, the meals are very simple, mm -hmm. and she always had her go to sort of rotation of of food and meals that she would cook. But she always managed to feed us. You know, we weren't rich. We didn't go out to eat a whole lot. So it was like home cooking was kind of ninety eight percent of the food we consumed. What? Unless you brought something home from one of the restaurants, which was always a treat. You know, a cheeseburger or something. <laughs> That must have been fun. That is a lot to work in the industry and then to come home and cook. That's quite a bit of work. It is. Um, you know, and my dad helped out too, obviously, of course, and and maybe even my older siblings. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a committee thing, right? When you, when you have that many kids and there's such an age spread, I'm sure I wasn't that helpful, but my sister certainly were. Where are you in the lineup of your siblings? I'm last. I'm six. I'm the youngest. I'm the baby. So... Wow. I got I, I reaped the benefits of everything my older siblings did incorrectly. And I, I was able to skate through. <laughs> <laughs> the good one. <laughs> yeah, the good, yeah, exactly. You know, by the time number six comes along, my parents were like, well, you know, you could probably not do anything that would shock us. So just don't get hurt and you're fine. Okay. <laughs> just survive. So are you the primary cook in your house or do you, you and your wife share duties? I cook most of the meals, I would say. My wife's a very capable, competent cook and baker, but I, yeah, I probably cook 80% of the meals. Dinner, for sure. You know, lunch and breakfast are kind of uh, simpler affairs since my son is in fourth grade. So we get him fed and out the door, and then we just kind of, I don't know, eat like a piece of toast or some oatmeal or something for breakfast. And lunch, we just kind of do what we do. But dinner, we put a little more thought into it. We sort of plan our meals out for the week and... and um yeah, I probably do most of the cooking. I, I just like to do it. And I think my wife appreciates it. It's kind of like one of those cook clean arrangements. She'll do sure. the dishes if I do the cooking, which is fine with me. I'm sure my wife gets tired of my like habit for me some plus. It's like, I have to have the dish for all the ingredients laid out. And she's like, why? It's, that just makes more of a mess. I'm like, you're right, but I can't help it. Well, it's nice to have it all laid out in front of you. It kind of makes the whole process more simple. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like number one tip for cooks, just get all your ingredients together before you start cooking and life will be twice as easy when it comes to your finished dish. So you've had your podcast for about eight years now? Eight years this fall. I think I started in the fall of 2014. Yeah. 
that is a long, long time. I know I recently just got out of a podcasting course and they talk a lot about pod fade after the first mm-hmm. four episodes. So mm-hmm. what has kept you in this platform for so long? Um, not knowing any better. I'm not sure, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's several things. I love to do it. It's fun. It's like one of the creative outlets that I have that where I control it all. And I'm not a control freak. I don't mean it like that, but I mean, I, I can do whatever I want. And there's not a lot of other aspects, probably in any of our lives where we can just do that, right? I could do whatever kind of episode I want. I could, you know, anything at any time. So that's one thing that I like. It's my creative outlet. But, you know, over the years, and you're an example of this, Susie, I meet cool people and we interact and it's like, okay, I'm not just talking into a box. And, you know, I get an email from somebody that says they they appreciated something I talked about and that makes my day. That's like fuel in the tank, you know? Sure. And that's what keeps me going probably more than anything, really, oh. even beyond my love of doing it as a project. It's really the engagement with people that's so much fun. It's the connection to other people that also love doing the same thing. And even if they don't, you're teaching them something that they could love. And I think when you love cooking and love to cook good food, again, it doesn't have to be elaborate, but it just it feels good knowing you're kind of shaping someone else's cooking life, so to speak. Yeah. And, you know, for me, that's a that's an interesting point. And for me, it's really about, well, let me put it this way. So sometimes you go online and you look at cooking blogs or food blogs or whatever. And I'm going to make a gross generalization here, but a lot of them seem to have an agenda of some sort. And I don't mean agenda in the negative perspective necessarily. Mm-hmm. They're a health-related blog or, you know, what they want you to go vegetarian. I have nothing against any of that. I don't have an agenda. Um, or I don't have an underlying purpose. I just want people to be more comfortable in the kitchen, love doing it, maybe learn a few things. What they ultimately cook, the lifestyle they choose, their food lifestyle, I don't doesn't really matter to me. I mean, I have opinions on those things, but for my show, it doesn't matter to me what they do. I just want them to to enjoy doing it, learn something about doing it, do it better. Yeah, so that's the way I approach things. I think that uh, translates into your podcast. I was dr- I was drawn to it because it has a very chill, relaxed, non-preachy feel to it. And I just love the flow. I love the blend of your interviews and I love the blend of your recipes. I just, I like your whole approach. And now that we're on that subject, tell us what your podcast is about. Yeah. So it's the Kitchen Counter or the Kitchen Counter podcast. The common theme that runs through all of my episodes, and if you've listened to a handful, at least you'll know that I do jump around to different formats. Um, I don't stick to one thing per se, but the common theme is home cooking and that uh, I take the broadest possible like definition of home cooking. So that could be cooking through a recipe live and recording it. It could be interviewing people who are chefs or cooks or have some interesting food or ingredient angle. Uh, It could be doing a deep dive into a particular recipe's history. Um, Sometimes I just do fun things and I'll get together with a friend and we'll do like, hey, what's our 10 favorite sandwiches? So it's like, um, it's a one part teaching people things. It's one part delivering some inspiration to people for things. And just, you know, my goal is if you walk out of an episode with at least one thing you can go and do or use, that's that's a win, I think. Um, Hopefully listeners feel that way too. I'm I'm sure they do. They may even bag my podcast or just go on to your podcast. No, no. there's a lot of of space in the podcasting world for everybody. Well, what kept you in it for eight years in the sense of 
I mean, did you think, okay, I'll do this for maybe five or six years? Do you think you're in it for the long run? Well, I, that's a good question. And probably when I started out, I had no idea. Like, I think everybody that starts a podcast has literally no idea what they're doing, right? I mean, they think they do. They might take a course or they'll listen to podcasts about podcasting or they'll see somebody have great success. Um, and that's all good stuff. That's probably the, you know, the great success right out of the gate is definitely the exception to the rule. So it takes work and it takes uh, consistency and time. So when I started out, I had no idea. I probably, if I if I time traveled back eight years and wondered what I was doing, I probably thought I was going to be famous and rich or something on my podcast. I don't know. <laughs> right. Not the case, which is fine. So do I think I'll be doing it for you know eight more years or whatever? Probably. Will it be this show? I don't know. I have a lot of ideas and a lot of other avenues I want to explore. But as we said at the beginning, you know, life is full. There's not a lot of bandwidth. So I'm a great idea person, uh, tougher to, for the execution. But yeah, this, I, I'm going to come up with some interesting new things that may or may not even be food related, actually. That's fun, though. That's fun. It's fun to evolve and to change and to see where else you go. You don't necessarily sure. have to stay in the in the lane of cooking. So that's I'll be interested to see where you go. Yeah, but I agree. I don't know where I'm going, but well, it'll be an interesting journey. <laughs> Do you have a favorite food you love to cook or a favorite second brought up? Oh, you know, that's a really hard, that's like choosing your favorite kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I always think of it like last meal type request. Hopefully I'll never have to make one of those. But if I did, <laughs> um, I think it would be, <laughs> I think it would be Oso Buco. Uh, with risotto a la milanese it's my favorite any variation of it you know which is like a veal shank slowly braised in white or red wine maybe some tomatoes and vegetables and then served over a creamy risotto uh, it's i could eat that every day if it wouldn't kill me you know what i mean it's just the best thing in the world and then it, or really any braised like really rich braised dish with with risotto i love second place like everything else um, I don't know. It's hard to pick. I love noodles. So like a really good, like an Asian noodle dish. I love mm, that's good stuff too. So yeah, there's a lot out there. Oh. You can, that's a wonderful thing about being a home cook is you could try to cook everything and never do it. Right. There's an endless amount of possibility. There are, and you can always, well, you can have a favorite dish one year and then you can completely change and find something you love the next year. So that's the wonderful thing. I do that a lot. You know, I'll go in like jags of like, oh, I'm super into, um, you know, things with pie crusts. I'm going to like cook 20 different things with pie crusts. They might be pies. It might be savory things. It might be empanadas or turnovers. And then I'll kind of get off of that and I'll be like, okay. And then something else will pique my interest and I'll jump into that. You know, it's here in Oregon uh, where I'm at, the weather is starting to get decent. So I'm thinking like outdoor grilling, barbecue, smoking. So I'm kind of, my brain is slowly, you know, flipping over into that mode. Sure. Do you have a love of blending drinks with food? Do you love wine? And I do enjoy wine and I live in the Willamette Valley, which is one of the you know, premier wine areas in the United States for Pinot Noir uh, specifically. So there's no want for good wine. I mean, there's no lack of good wine around where I'm at. So I do enjoy it quite a lot. Um, I'm not like a, an alchemist. I don't like get too into the pairing of, of 
food and drink. Uh, to me, it's like whatever you like to drink is really what you should be drinking and don't really worry about what other people tell you you can or can't do. Right, I agree. Red wine with fish. Oh, yeah, if you like it, drink it. I mean, who yeah, cares? Really. It's <laughs> get hung up on stuff like that. So yeah, I do. Uh, but you know, I, it's probably something I should get more into. Again, I kind of go in spurts. Like I was on a total rum kick last year. And I was just like deep diving into rum. I did an episode on it, you know, the history and just different things about rum. And then, you know, then I move on to other things. So I just, it's my ADHD, I guess. I've got to like taste a little bit of everything I can possibly do. You know, believe it or not, I have never had a margarita. And lately I just love margaritas. I can't believe (laughs) all of these years I've never had a margarita. I've never really liked tequila, but now I kind of like them. So it's kind of fun to go into phases like you were saying. Yeah. And you there's always something to discover. Yeah. I mean, it's not shocking at all. You've never had a margarita until, you know, whenever recently, I mean, there's probably 10,000 things you haven't tasted. True. And one day you're going to taste it and you'll be like, put more of that in my mouth. I mean, that's amazing. You know, and you'll seek it out and you'll look for recipes and you'll want to cook it and you'll go to restaurants and try to find it. Yes. Exactly. Um, right. And yes. you, you probably have a, a better, um, you know, variety of restaurants at hand than I do in Salem. We're okay. We, we do all right, but we don't have, you know, it's not like a New York city or even a Portland, Oregon for that matter, where you, you can find all your different cuisines. So sometimes like I was on a kick for, to get some mofongo, which is like a mashed plantain and a, a chicharron dish from Puerto Rico. Right. And like, there's no Puerto Rican places in Salem, Oregon. So if I don't even know if there are in Portland that serve mofongo, right? So it's like, dang it, I just want to get some that somebody makes. So I have sort of like a like a data point, right? Like if I make it at home, it's like, I don't know if it tastes right or if it tastes good. So I always want to try it from somebody else and go, oh, I got to be in that ballpark. Got it. Well, maybe when you travel, if you take any trips during the year, you can always sort of Google the restaurants in the area yep. where you're traveling. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's, uh, yeah, if you can travel, if you're lucky enough to get out there, especially now that COVID is seems to be a little bit at bay. Yeah. That's, I love traveling. You know what else I love to do when I'm traveling and I'm sorry for the tangent, but no, no. it's so nerdy, but I love going to local markets and I don't even mean like local open air markets, which are amazing. Like I like to go to local grocery stores because you will always find something that like, Oh, they don't even have that in Oregon. And it's like a grocery store item here. But we just went on vacation to St. Croix in the U S Virgin islands. I could spend every day. I could go to a different store there. You know what I mean? It's like, sure. oh, look at all this interesting spices and pastries and yeah, you name it, drinks. I love it. Oh, that sounds fun. Did you bring any spices back with you? Oh, actually, um, we went to the the farmer's market on Saturday and I did bring back a jar of sour, uh, a spicy, I don't have it right in front of me. It's like a soursop uh, salsa, I guess. Soursop's like an interesting, sour, really funky looking fruit that grows in the tropics. It's del- it sounds terrible. Yeah. It's quite delicious. It's like soursop. I don't know that I want to eat that. The word sop. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like something you like clean your dishes with, right? Yeah, or something. Like a mop. <laughs> yeah, like a mop. Exactly. Um, you know, so I brought back a jar of that. And, but that was fun. That was good inspiration too, right? You just eat like some fresh seafood with some local flavors. And it's just a, I just love absorbing that kind of stuff. That sounds like a lot of fun. So I think you do know my podcast is geared really more toward the busy person who doesn't have a ton of time in the kitchen, but they still want good food. And I try to help people through my show, through tips and recipes and conversations with Mm -hmm. folks like yourself. Why do you think cooking is so hard for people? Or why do you think 
a lot of people just get exhausted when you ask them, do you like to cook? Sometimes I hear exasperation in people's voices. We're like, oh, cooking is just so much, so much of a pain. You have to go to the store and then you have to read a recipe and you have to have all the ingredients. But what do you think really holds people back from cooking? You nailed it. Like everybody kind of brings their own baggage, if you will, to cooking. Um, I think some people are just tired. Cooking's another thing they think they need to do. And I'm not saying they do or they don't, but you know, we're all tired, right? The last few years have been ridiculously exhausting. Um, so we're tired. That's one part of it. Um, another part of it, and this is sort of a soapbox of mine. So push me off of it if I go on too long, but I get a little bit, I mean, maybe annoyed is a strong word, but kind of annoyed with a lot of the food media. It's like a lot of other media that gives you unrealistic views. Social media is terrible for this. Unrealistic views of what like real life is. And cooking is a is a huge one, right? You see chefs yes. on these cooking shows, cooking these amazing meals, or not even chefs, these people that come in for competitions and you're watching Chopped. I love Chopped, right? The one where they have the mystery basket with the five ingredients. And you're watching these people and you're like, I must be a terrible cook because I wouldn't know I wouldn't know anything about how to use any of the ingredients they've got in their baskets. Well, no, you're not a terrible cook. You're just not somebody who's cooked professionally for 30 years and have worked with all these ingredients and know how to make basic dishes with whatever ingredients they get, right? You get this unrealistic view. Oh, and food photography, it's like, look at the food. looks amazing. Nobody's food looks like that. I'm sorry. That's a magazine shoot. Right. right? They made that dish 30 times and they took 500 pictures and... You've seen, you know, it's like, I don't know, did they use motor oil for pancakes or I don't know, whatever. But real food doesn't look like that. It can. Point is, if yours doesn't, don't get discouraged. So I think there's just, and, and then, I'm on the soapbox. I <laughs> no, I do. want to hear. <laughs> and then you add in, you have people online, especially who are like, you shouldn't eat this and you should eat that, or that's the wrong food lifestyle, or you can't eat. So true. What It's like, you know what, just... <laughs> First of all, most of those people have no idea what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Yours truly included. I don't talk about health on my show because I'm not an expert. Mm -hmm. Most people are just repeating what they hear, right? Because it sounds right. Uh, but, you know, don't worry about it. Like, eat what you want to eat. It would take a lot of work to really jack up your lifestyle based on the food you cook at home. I mean, right. unless you're making like bacon and chocolate pie for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. Really, I mean... Moderation really is key. And I think the stress, and I know myself as well, I spent many, many years trying to be the healthiest I could be. But I tell you, I'm kind of turned the, the corner a little bit and I've, I've relaxed a great deal. Just like you said, eat what you want to eat, be, be logical about it. You can't have right. cho chocolate pie for uh, three meals of your day. But I think the stress that a person endures just trying to hold back. I will not eat that because I will be a failure and people will see me as a loser. It's just insane. It's weird too. Uh, again, sorry for the tangent, but it, this is just endlessly fascinating to me too, because if you look at like, um, and I don't have a, a date bracket, but you know, maybe let's just say in the last 25 or 30 years, like food media, Home cooking has become something of a hobby for a lot of people. I mean, it always was, but there's something different about it, right? In my my second half of my lifetime, at least, yeah. it just feels different. Slightly glamorized a tad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and the access to a staggering variety of things you could possibly cook as a home cook. Like if you go back three generations, right? Your great, great grandma. I mean, probably a great cook, but she probably cooked like five things all the time. So... 
I think we can get overwhelmed too, right? It's like, oh, like there's millions of recipes from millions of different dishes. And I'm a home cook going like, I don't know what to cook. Well, find what you love to cook. Find three or four things you really love to cook. Get super great at cooking it. And then the rest is just like all gravy, you know? I agree. I mean, if, I think if if people pick things they, like you said, like to eat, like I like asparagus. Well, you don't really need a lot to make asparagus good. Some good, you know, kosher salt and pepper, a little bit of olive oil. And if you, I just put this recipe on my podcast last week, but, and a little bit of parm cheese. I mean, you don't need a lot. You don't even need the parm cheese if you're not into cheese. To be honest, those really nice looking meals that you see on Instagram, you have to cook them in the morning, shoot them in the middle of the day. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons why the food dishes look good. You can't, you can't shoot at night. It just looks horrible. I mean, it's yeah, unless you have some amazing studio with the right line. I mean, exactly. it can be done, but like you or oh, I, absolutely. the average Joe or Jane. And um, that's, I, I've told people too on my show, it's like, you know, I really struggle because I'm not a great recipe developer and writer, and I'm not a great food photographer. So I just basically, and I don't say it all the time, but I've told people before, listeners, it's like, I mean, expect me to talk about other people's stuff more than my own, because it's just, I, that's not who I am. I mean, I could do it if I gave time to it, but I just, it's, it's much more of a swimming against the current for me. So I choose not to focus on that as much. I do it, but not that much. That, that's good. I mean, that's your lane and you know what, what you're good yeah. at and what you're not. Yeah. Is there a time you ever get into cooking burnout and just get so tired of cooking? I mean, I love cooking. I love cooking good food, but there are times when I'm just like, oh, I can't think of another recipe. Uh, my sister sent me as a thank you gift for something uh, frozen chicken pot pie from Harry and David. And I was so happy that day. I mean, I had never had a frozen <laughs> chicken pot pie from Harry and David. but It I, was probably it, fantastic. It's fantastic. But I, I mean, there is a beauty in, in not having to think every single day about what to cook. Does that ever happen to you? Oh, all the time. In mm-hmm. fact, I just did an episode a couple episodes ago on cooking burnout and... Uh, for me, it's kind of, um, it's tied a lot to the time of year. So I think in that episode, I actually mentioned, it's like, you know, love holidays and all the fun and the cooking and the interesting food that comes with that. And I love spring with all the fresh vegetables and the sun is starting to come out. So maybe I could do some cooking outside. It's that weird three month period in Oregon where I'm at, where it's like, <laughs> there's no good, great fresh produce. I'm kind of, the holidays are over and you're just kind of in those drizzly dark days for three months. <laughs> And it's like, uh, I just, I'm tired of cooking things. And it sounds dumb. Like you think you could go and just find new things to cook, but you know, you just get tired. And, and um, so you really have to be intentional. I think about figuring out how to break out of that rut, you know, go to a restaurant if you can, maybe go to a restaurant you've never been to because we can get into those ruts too, right? Let's, what do you want to take out from all the same place? We always get it. Okay, great. But you know, maybe I don't learn anything uh, from that and I want to learn something. So go someplace new or um, challenge yourself. You know, go to the store and find an ingredient in the produce department you've never heard of or worked with. Buy it and go home and figure out what to do with it. That can get, that can force you to think creatively and you might learn something. Sure. It gets you, you out know, of the box. Yeah. You organize your, your meals during the week. Do you think about them on Sunday and sort of map out the week or do you just think about your meal or at least your dinner early in the morning? How do you organize yourself? 
we try to plan, we try to do meal planning on the weekend for the following week and do that. We try to do the shopping then too. So we're not, you know, running. We used to be many years ago, we would be like, it's Wednesday night. Let's go to the store and find something for dinner to cook and um, which you can do and that's fine, but it eats up a lot of time to do that. Absolutely. And usually a lot of money because you're not being smart about what you're buying. You know, you're not buying ingredients that you can use a couple times in the week, for example. But, uh, you know, we, we, we write it out um, for dinners mostly. And then we go buy our ingredients. And then for breakfast and lunch, we just have kind of a pool of, you know, do we have good bread? Do we have some cheese? Do we have some fruit? Do we have, you know, that sort of stuff. And we just make sure we have that on hand and we can make, or, you know, eggs, we can make for breakfast and lunch whenever we want. But for dinner, we try to we try to plan it out. Now, cooking burnout comes, and I can't tell you how many times in the past couple of months it's like, oh, we were going to make this for dinner. I don't want to make that. I don't feel like making it. Let's just go get takeout, and that's fine. Or yeah. let's just eat cereal for dinner. Fine. We have a clean out the fridge night. We actually did that last week, and you, you're getting the refrigerator cleaned out, and you're just making whatever's there. You're not yep. wasting. That's a great, yeah, that's smart. We don't do it often, but I, I like doing it. What are your thoughts about uh, writing maybe a cookbook down the road or a kitchen guide? Do you have any thoughts about doing something like that down the road? That's such a good question. I, I've, yeah, I'm sure, sure I've toyed with that thought before. It's, I've never really gotten to it. I mean, my thought is, and this goes back to something I said earlier, is like if I want to do something, I would probably devote my time to like another podcast of some sort. And I really would love to do like a, like a short run, like a six or seven part series. That's more of a scripted podcast could be food related or whatever, but that's, that's kind of my next goal. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably if I get any free creative time, that's probably where I'll put it. Great. That sounds interesting. Well, I know you have a Facebook group. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? What is that all about? Yeah, I started that a few years ago. It's called the Kitchen Counter Coffee Break. Probably back when people were like, oh, everybody needs to have a Facebook group. So I said, okay, that sounds good to me. <laughs> Some way to engage, you know, that engagement. And I love hearing from people in the community. And so, yeah, I, I started that. And uh, yeah, it's not massive, but it's, I think it's a great group. People seem to be engaged. There's probably 13 or 1400 people in it. Wow. And, uh, you know, it's, we try to keep it spam free and just a place where people can ask questions or share pictures, you know, it's a no judgment zone. So we don't really tolerate people being grumpy about things. And you can be grumpy about things. Just don't, you know, you'd hate for somebody to post a picture of something they tried to cook and maybe it didn't turn out great and have somebody, you know, jump on them or something. None of that happens so it's a really good great fun place for home cooks i like um, it i'm a part of it and i, think I know it's so cordial and they're just really nice and offering recipes and just being very supportive of one another so i vouch for it i think it's a great group i'm well i'm glad you're in it i wish i could i was in there more but again it's just like i just uh, i don't have that much free time so right. so it's great that other community members are in there doing things i love it yeah plus you can only do so much you yeah, that's right one, you can one. only do so much well, if someone wanted to reach out to you, how can folks find you? Well, I think the best way is just to go to my website, kitchencounterpodcast.com. Uh, they can email me to feedback at kitchencounterpodcast.com. But if you go to the website, you can find all my other social media uh, places to listen to the show, you know, wh- wherever you need it to get me, you can find it there and, and the link to the group as well. Wonderful. Thanks so much. Um, I wanted to end the show with asking if maybe there's one quick, very easy recipe you could share with my listeners that are that's super simple that you think most people would like. 
You know, uh, that's a great question. So I mentioned it earlier. If you have a basic recipe that you can adapt, that's my favorite thing in the world because you can do endless things with it. So I am a huge fan of rice. And I think if you take the dirty rice concept, now dirty rice is like a Creole Cajun dish Mm-hmm. And it's called dirty because it's cooked with things like maybe meats and vegetables and things like that. But if you just start with your basic rice, brown rice, white rice, whatever, you know, a cup of that or a cup and a half and a couple of cups of water and just add in whatever you like to eat and cook it as you would the rice. It can be a meat standalone meal. It can be a great side dish, wonderful for lunches. So, you know, maybe you take some sausage or some ground beef or mushrooms cook those up, put them in the cooking water, cut up some vegetables, put those in the cooking water and just cook your rice. And um, be creative with your spices and seasonings. You can do whatever you want. I mean, that's about as simple as it gets. If you can cook rice, you can do this, you know. Sure. That sounds yummy. And you could have that with a salad and then maybe have a little piece of bread to make it a little bit more robust. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And depend, again, depending on what you put in it, you could throw it in a tortilla and make a burrito out of it. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Maybe put a little cheese even. Yeah. Go nuts. <laughs> yeah. Cheese is good. <laughs> Well, Roger, thank you so much for being here. I love chatting with you. I would love to bring you back. I just think you're full of a lot of great morsels. And again, love your podcast. You're doing a great job. And really, you've been kind of like my little mini idol. So I thank you for that. Susie, that's very kind of you to say. I appreciate that. Um, I think what you're doing is great. I love your show so far. So keep with it. I think you're on the right track. So thank you for having me. It's uh, very much my honor. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed listening to my convo with Roger Anderson. I know I did. I hope to one day have a podcast as good as his. I know I have a ways to go, but it's nice to be inspired by someone. I'll be sure to share all of his contact and social information in the show notes. As a reminder, he has a fun Facebook group called the Kitchen Counter Coffee Break, if you'd like to be a part of that. Thanks so much for being here, and I'll be back in a couple of weeks for a simple seafood episode where I'll share recipes for spiced shrimp and a tasty mustard panko crusted halibut. They're both super simple and super yummy, so I hope you stick around. Talk real soon.